Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. And let's go live now to Yawonde, and uh, that's where we find Sky Sports Afcon correspondent Asha Komigusha. We've seen her um, on CNN, we've seen her on Sky also um, reporting for them live from Afcon. Asha, good evening from us here in South Africa. Thank you very much for being able to take our call tonight. Yes, Tavisa Unjani. How is everyone? I hope uh, you're keeping safe wherever you are in South Africa. Yes, we are. Siapila, Siapila, Unjani. Asha, are you also keeping safe there in Cameroon? I must. I don't have an option, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. That's the spirit. But you've been doing some wonderful work over the past week. Uh, compared to how the, the tournament has started, Asha, it seems to be taking shape now in the second round of the group stages. Why is that? It seems like the action is picking up. Well, um, look, comrade, this is uh, the first Afghan we have in uh, the midst of uh, a global pandemic. So it's obviously very tough from all fronts. And you can say that uh, for the organization, you can say that for the players, for the teams, but also really um, for generally everyone, even the media, uh, covering such a tournament is not easy. You're talking about um, being able to do COVID-19 tests every day that uh, you're at the tournament, um, so it's tough. But, but, you know, we're handling, and you can see also um, the players, uh, they've started to warm up to the tournament, scoring more goals than one at least, um, and also the drama, uh, because they're in tournament mode now. Yes, and, and, and I guess their preparations, like you said, we've been, would have been affected also by not only COVID, but also the European clubs refusing to release players on time also, I guess. Yeah, exactly. When uh, CAF entered into uh, an official agreement with the European Club Association to say that uh, the players were supposed to uh, at least start travelling on January the 3rd, that affected a lot. I was in Kigali, uh, where Senegal and Guinea were supposed to have their pre-AFCON training camp, but only Guinea could make it because at least they had some players uh, that were accessible or available um, before the European clubs could release some of their players like Naby Keita. But for a team like Senegal, they eventually cancelled their trip to Kigali because all 27 of their players play in Europe and were unavailable until the third. So if you have them travelling all the way to Kigali, um, they would have definitely trained for about only three days and that's really not worth it. Um, so all of that you know, affected the teams. Um, and then also the travelling you know, from Europe to uh, the training bases, uh, and then eventually uh, the team bases, that, that really took away from uh, their health status, as we saw a couple of them getting uh, COVID. Uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, for example, uh, you know, was unavailable for uh, Senegal, um, Edward Mendy as well. Then you have, you know, the bigger names as well that, uh, you know, could have been here but were unable to make it. And, and when it comes to COVID, Asha, um, in terms of the COVID-19 protocols, how would you say the LOC and CAF have handled uh, this, both on and off the field? Well, to be honest, um, CAF already had uh, immense experience from the Chan last year. Uh, I was very lucky to have covered the tournament uh, for the entire month. And I can firmly say that, you know, they were trying their best. You, you have to do a COVID-19 test in Cameroon, uh, that's free for anyone and everyone. Uh, a PCR and also a rapid test is absolutely free in this country. So it was really up to everyone to do that. And for the media, for example, um, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but if you remember the late uh, Kujo, mm. uh, Amankwa, 
who is a former employee of uh, SABC. Uh, I remember the venue he was handling was Limbe, which is uh, in the southwest of Cameroon. And every time you needed to go to this venue, you had to have uh, a negative COVID-19 PCR test in the last 48 hours. So CAF already had that sort of experience uh, before dealing with this uh, AFCON. And now it's even come down to vaccination because in the last 12 months, vaccines have been available across Africa and everyone is expected to at least be vaccinated, at least with one dose. Wonderful. So you feel safe. You feel well looked after in Cameroon. Yes, you feel safe, to be honest. And uh, also (laughs) the general, um, what can I say, the general feeling of uh, the Cameroonian people, by the way, is that, you know, COVID doesn't exist. Um, but it's, I think for me, uh, down to things like weather, um, also genetics. If you look at the DNA of uh, Cameroonian people, the, their immunity is uh, very high. Mm. Uh, but for those who are covering the tournament, you have to be careful. You have to wear a mask. You have to social distance. You have to do a COVID-19 test every day. And that's what you know is keeping us sane, if uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. For those who are just joining us, we have crossed over live to Cameroon and we are speaking to Asha Komigusha who is an award-winning journalist, of course, but she's right now doing um, work for Sky Sports at AFCON. And by the way, it is 1-1 in that game between uh, Cape Verde and Cameroon. You can send us your thoughts, your impressions of the AFCON so far on and off the field to 061-4104-107. That's the number for voice notes. lot has happened off the field, Asha, and I believe that you have some breaking news for us about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and his teammate Mario Lamina. We saw reports this afternoon that Aubameyang Obama Young was going back to Arsenal. They were saying that he's going to get checked after a condition that kept him out of the second game. But there, there seems to be more to this than just that condition. Well, um, there was a press conference at uh, 2 p.m. South African time, and I spoke to the head coach, Patrice Nouveau, and uh, he told me that the reason why Obama Young was going back to Arsenal was because there's no uh, facilities uh, medical facilities here in Yaoundé to treat what you would call the residue, basically the after effect of uh, having COVID-19. Um, and so Arsenal has been putting a lot of pressure on, uh, on you know, uh, Gabon to at least uh, find a solution with this. But on Friday last week, um, Arsenal told Sky Sports News that uh, they were happy. They were happy with the way Gabon was, you know, reacting to everything. However, like you say, this afternoon there's reports from uh, a Gabonese journalist called Freddy Kola, who I trust, by the way, uh, he's very reliable, who says that there was an incident last night where Lemina and Aubameyang um, went out to party and came back at 5 a.m. Uh, with women into the training camp. And at this point, apparently, according to this report, uh, it is alleged that they tried to find their way uh, to the rooms. And the coach, Patrice Nouveau, um, talked to Fega Food officials as well as the Ministry of Sports of Gabon, and they decided that um, it's not worth it. Yes, they could be superstars, uh, but they will have to do without them. Now, I, as I speak to you right now, I am outside the military stadium in Yaoundé, where... Gabon is expected to arrive. In fact, you can hear the police escort. Yes. Uh, they will arrive here in the next one or two minutes. And then we'll see what is the latest um, in that regard.
Yeah, but that is, that's recklessness of the highest order then. I mean, considering the challenges that we're facing with COVID, uh, for them to go out and even bring people from outside the camp to the hotel, surely that's unacceptable? Well, I mean, of course it's unacceptable. And if it happens to be true, that will be disastrous because we also know that uh, Obama Young was stripped of the Arsenal captaincy because of indiscipline and not just once, but over a several period of time. Um, so, but let's see what uh, the courts will tell us uh, in the next uh, few minutes. And then just looking at the football so far, how's the feeling in Cameroon about how their team have done uh, opening two games? I know when we spoke to them before the tournament, the expectations were high, but they were not sure how far this team can go. Uh, I'm sure now they must be encouraged by those two wins. Well, to be honest, if you think about um, you know Cameroon, they're hosting the AFCON for the first time in 50 years, so since 1972, and really they are a football-loving country. They they love to see their team win, but this was really the case um, back in 2017 in Gabon, neighboring Gabon, when they didn't have eight of their top players, including Joel Matip, but they went on to win. Um, and for a team like Cameroon, it's not really about the talent or, or the quality um, in that regard. You're talking about fans. There's a lot of pressure. Imagine if you are a Cameroon player and um, you have Roger Miller coming to the dressing room to say, um, guys, let's, let's stay focused. Let's, let's do this. Um, it just adds so much, you know, uh, to the whole setup. And obviously you have Samuel Eto, who is uh, coincidentally um, the AFCON top uh, goal scorer with 18 goals as the federation president. All these things, when you put them together, it just shows you um, the expectations that the fans have and what it will be like for, uh, for them as a team. Okay, we are welcoming your voice notes on 061-4104-107. We are speaking to um, Asha Okomigusha, who's live for us at AFCON. We'll just take a quick break and we'll wrap up the conversation after this. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And by the way, those sirens you were hearing, like Asha was saying, it was the Gabon, the Gabon national team there arriving. She was outside their base. Let's take a voice note. Good evening, member your team and my fellow listeners. Well, hey, of course. Your football will humble you. Eh? I didn't see Algeria going down like that, or let alone potentially facing first round elimination. Yeah, that's football. A wise coach once said it will kill red death. Can you please clarify, why did we see an official from Guatemala officiating in the CAF games? Does that mean we don't have enough officials in, uh, in the continent or not? Live and direct from Ecorlini. Let's see what you have. Good evening, Tabiso. Good evening, Aisha. Good evening to the team behind the show and the loyal listeners. Um, Aisha, wouldn't it be better if maybe all the countries that were participating in this tournament rather used local players instead of foreign players? Because AFCON is about time. It's it's purposely allowing people to show the talent that they have in their various countries. Imagine a country like Senegal bringing 27 foreign-based players. What does it tell about the local league of um, um, Senegal? The same applies to the Black Stars of Ghana. You understand? We claim we have the best leagues in the continent, but yet we can't even show two of the best players from our league. It's Bramoro in Bloomfontein. Sport on on SAFM. 
Okay, thanks for those. Thanks for that, Bra Moro. I guess that's why there's chain where all the local players uh, get to play. But Asha, the first question was about Algeria. Um, uh, they've, they've struggled. I mean, they lost uh, their record yesterday uh, to one of the lowest ranked team at this AFCON. What's gone wrong with them? Look, um, I, I feel sorry for Algeria because they were this close uh, to breaking that, you know, Italy 37 game uh, and beaten run. Um, but it is the Afghan, you know, mm-hmm. football, African football will humble you and literally put you on your knees. Uh, I saw Algerian journalists going crazy. They could not imagine, um, you know, the eventual result of the game. Uh, but looking at, uh, let, let's start, you know, from the top. North African teams are not really... Um, doing well um, at this tournament. Forget about, you know, Tunisia beating Mauritania mm. um, 4-0. When you look at even the way Egypt is playing, they're not very convincing in the manner in which um, they're playing, let alone scoring goals. Yes, Mo Salah scored that goal, but it's not, it's not really enough. And um, if you look at the history of the tournament, um, you'll have to go all the way to 1976 when Morocco won their only AFCON title which, when it was hosted in uh, Ethiopia. And then the other team to ever win an Afghan title from North Africa, obviously, is Egypt. Um, you know, they won in, in, in Angola. And, you know, I mean, it's not easy because when they come on this side of the continent, then they have to play, let's say, uh, in the afternoon. It's a bit hot because for them, back home, whenever it's the summer or whenever it's hot, they will play um, at night. And if you remember very well the game between Al-Ahli and Sundown. Uh, when they played uh, in the afternoon, mm. that's how Al-Ahli almost, uh, you know, that's how they considered five goals. Mm. Uh, because they're not used to playing in the sun and in that manner, they really, really struggle. And so many people were giving um, a lot of stick to Morocco for bringing their own, um, you know, food and water and everything. It's because it's not easy uh, for them to adapt to the conditions. And this is across the board uh, in every aspect, as you can imagine. So, um, it's going to be very tough for Algeria, but they really need to defeat Cote d'Ivoire on January 20th if they are to proceed to the round of 16. It's very tough uh, because also Cote d'Ivoire are desperate. And it's also going to be a revenge because in the 2019 edition in, uh, in Egypt, um, uh, Algeria won 4-3 on penalties after a 1-0 draw in regular time. So that should just tell you how intense that game is going to be. And if you see the manner in which uh, Cote d'Ivoire uh, conceded the goal against Sierra Leone, that could have been a victory for them and uh, lessened the pressure ahead of the last group tie, uh, it's going to bring a lot of um, you know, intense, I should say, uh, circumstances. But also the goalkeeper, Sangare Badri Ali, mm. uh, this morning lost his father uh, and he's injured. And uh, Silver Gbobo is also... Uh, <laughs> unavailable to play. So it's a, it's a tough one for Cote d'Ivoire, but let's see, they have some of the best defenders, um, you know, in the world, Eric Bay, um, and also the whole, obviously the, the captainship or the, uh, the leadership of uh, Serge Rory. We'll see how, how, how far that goes, honestly. Okay, well, maybe for Algeria, the pressure will be off now after uh, losing that record. And with, without singling out too many teams, Asha, as we wrap up, um, Senegal have also made a slow start. Just one goal from their two matches uh, so far, and it was a penalty by Sadio Mane. What's been their biggest challenge in this group? Um, I mean, they're playing at 2 p.m. They've played two games at 2 p.m. That's very tough uh, on them. 
and uh, their next game is at 5 p.m., which should be easier in that regard. And uh, I think uh, they'll start to warm up and go into the tournament. They had some COVID cases. I mean, look, imagine they didn't have uh, the leadership of Edward Mendy. They didn't have Kalibi Kulibali, their captain. All these uh, uh, issues. Ismail Asar, who's one of uh, their most important players. Um, that, again, also... Um, affect the way that they set up, but I think that Alisi say has what it takes to um, milk every situation when they play um, their next game, and uh, I think they can win it. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit tough, but I mean, if you look at Senegal and Malawi, surely, surely um, they should be able to win that tomorrow. And Ghana, can they stay in the tournament? Ooh, Ghana, <laughs> <laughs> my God, the Black Stars! No, 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 no. You know. I've watched two of their games, and um, I think that they have a problem where you have two generations of, um, you know, two sets of players. So you have the Dede Ayuse who are outgoing, Jonathan Mensah, and then you have the younger guys who are also coming in. So that clash right there is, um, uh, you know, giving them a big problem. But also Milovan, uh, their head coach, is not really, um, you know, taking the best out of uh, this squad. For example, when you look at uh, his game management, he only substitutes players when they have conceded. And that's a wrong plan, you know, if you think about it. You know, players like Dede Ayu, they can no longer play 90 minutes, you know. Take him out. Yes, he's the captain, but take him out. You know, if you look at Nigeria, the way they set up, um, they have Ahmed Musa, the captain, coming off the bench. But it's because that's the best decision for the team. It doesn't take away anything from him as a legend of the game uh, in Nigeria and on the continent. But uh, Nigeria, I mean, Ghana are not really doing the right thing. And if you think about it generally, uh, you also understand that Ghana made the mistake to bring back a coach who was successful in 2010. I mean, football has changed so much in the last 12 years. And I think for me, uh, it was a wrong decision. And Ghanaians are actually seeing that right now. You can see on social media, the fans are saying, look, let's just play for our country and, and not really mind uh, about what the coach is saying. <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy. The last <laughs> one from me is Nigeria, Asha. They've quietly gone about their business so far. How far do you see them going? Look, Nigeria are the team that have gone to the semifinals the most. They have the record on the African continent. That just speaks about their quality. But it's very important to also note that Nigeria are neighbors with Cameroon. So Nigeria are in familiar territory. Garua, where they are best, is just 70 kilometers from the border to Nigeria. In fact, some Nigerians have been able to cross over and come support the team. And uh, again, just tactically, if you think about uh, what Egoron has been able to together with this team, it's incredible. He's also the technical director of the NFF. Um, that shows uh, how you know deeply rooted um, his skills are and his understanding of the game. I think it was an insult for uh, the NFF to hire Jose Peseiro uh, to say, okay, he will be watching the tournament and uh, coach them for the World Cup qualifiers, which is ridiculous because uh, Egbevon is doing an incredible job. Look at a team that has no Victor Osimhen who was uh, the top scorer of the qualifiers with five goals. They don't have Emmanuel Dennis, who is in form with Watford. They don't have um, Igalo, <laughs> but mm. they're doing a good job. You have Samuel Chukuze. You have, um, obviously, uh, all the players, Lindy, uh, bringing a lot of experience in that team. Uh, William uh, has also done an incredible job um, in the defense. And, and they're just warming up to the tournament. We're going to see more of Nigeria. I think absolutely after two match days, they are the outright 
favourite to win the tournament alongside Cameroon. Okay, wonderful, Asha. Let's not keep you any much longer, but great work that you've been doing and representing the continent, especially in that interview that you did with CNN, and you won a lot of hearts and a lot of respect from from, from people on the continent for, for that interview. Thank you for speaking to us. I know you're going to go and watch Gabon train now. They've just arrived, but we appreciate the time that you've given us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Do follow her on social media, folks. Uh, she knows her story, knows what she's talking about. Always has an eye on the ball there. Um, Asha Komigusha speaking to us live from Yawonde. Uh, today she's been covering AFCON 2021. Uh, she is covering it for Sky Sports. But she is uh, from um, from Uganda, right? Yeah, she is from Uganda. She's a G-Sport winner. Of course, G-Sport for girls with Kes Naidu. We did speak to her after that award there that she won. So she, yeah, she, 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 she keeps going from strength to strength. And we wish her all the best. Asha still